Today we discuss sex life. And health and fitness and how they are interlinked. Yeah, what makes you good in the bedroom? What makes you bad in the bedroom? <laughs> what do you need to know? Let's go. What did you find in the studies? So it's really interesting. So there's two things that they mention mainly. One of them is that, um, according to the study anyway, people that, and we'll, we'll link it in the description and everything else so people can read themselves if they want. But according to the study, people, not only are people that are fitter, that go, that go to the gym or that are more health conscious, apparently better in the bedroom because of in, increased energy, because of stamina, because of um, in, increased sex drive, stuff like that. But also, people that think they are better at sex tend to be better at sex. <laughs> and people that are fitter tend to think they're better at sex. Right? So things like a double whammy. So it's a win-win scenario. It's a win-win scenario. So one is you are actually statistically better at sex. You may be awful at sex and be in good shape, who knows. But you're statistically <laughs> supposed to be better at sex, according to the study. But also, you probably think you're better at sex, which makes you better at sex. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All in all, fitness, good thing in the bedroom. But yeah, so that so that factors into quality of life. Right? So, so yeah, but from a from a personal experience, I mean oh. that kind of makes sense. Yeah. Right. Yeah, certainly. I mean, is this is this just women? Was this men and this women? Is, or was this, this just is, men? This is everything. This is men and women. This is everyone. Um, but I mean, you can look. You, you can kind of look at it. You know, we can kind of dive into maybe some more, um, less safe for work examples later on, but. You know, if you think that someone that is confident with their own body, so that's that's what I suspect it boils down to. It's not so fitness will obviously imp- impact your your stamina and your ability to actually do stuff for a longer period of time, assuming that length of sex is equated to quality of sex. Right? Let's just assume that for for a second. But um, so you can definitely do it for longer period of times. But I think you're more likely to be much more confident if you think that you're attractive, that, that you're in, in good shape. So, are you willing to do things that someone else wouldn't be? Right. So for, for example, let's say you have a real issue with having sex with the lights on, right? Mm. But it's quite nice to be able to be spontaneous and just have sex wherever, whether there are lights on or not. If you have to wait to be in complete darkness, does that potentially impact your sex the, life? Yeah, I mean, just, just the, 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 the relationship that you have with your partner. Saying that, like, who knows, maybe if someone's out of, out of shape but it's just super confident, does it make a difference? Prob- well, I mean, it's like that study that found... Oh, it might have been multiple studies actually. That being, it's better to be overweight and and fit hmm. than thin and unfit. Yeah, this so this was um, likelihood of dying from all, all causes, right? Yeah. So um, in terms of likelihood of death, it was um, so this was called the fat versus fit study, right? Just fat in a factual sense, not in an, <laughs> in the fat shaming sort of sense, but just. Um, so the, the most likely to die group was fat and unfit, and then thin and unfit, and then fat fit, and then thin fit, right? Right. So being thin and fit is the best, but being fat and fit is better than being thin and unfit. Which is a message to all you thin couch potatoes out there. <laughs> <laughs> you are gonna, you know, being being thin because you don't overeat doesn't make you any healthier than someone who's overweight, but that still runs, or that's still the sport. That's true. And a lot of the time, it also leads to sort of a... The sort of the dad bod look, the dad bod mm. look, which is sort of where you store a lot of your body fat around the organs, yeah. which is worse than if you just store it underneath your skin. Yeah, so you end up with that sort of beer belly look where your belly feels hard rather yeah. than being able to pinch it properly, if you see what I mean. You can still pinch it, but it, it creates that 
um, it creates a different look. Because yeah. you can carry fat. You can be an athlete, for example, and carry fat. If you look at different sports, right? Yeah. But they tend to store less fat around their organs. Yeah. And storing fat around your organs is much worse for you than storing fat just below your skin. Yeah, I mean, one's just superficial, the, the, the other one's going to cause actual damage. What, what do you think brought on this whole dad bod craze? Because uh, do, do you remember if, if, if a few years ago there were all these YouTube videos of people being like, no, I'd much prefer someone with <laughs> No, you know, you know what I think it was. I think it's, to be honest, you know, this is my, my, my personal opinion. Mm. Um, I mean, the whole dad bod craze, I think, happened with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. This, oh, when there was that, that picture? Yeah, when there was that nude picture of him. <laughs> on a paddleboard with someone I can't remember who it was right. and it sort of gave people permission because he's seen as such a sex symbol right mm. by women it sort of gave men permission to go oh if Leonardo DiCaprio can look like this then so can I yeah and then it and then it sort of became it became a thing and it be, also I think it, it ties I mean it's it's a it's it's a really interesting discussion because it ties into multiple things, but it's that same, it's sort of the, the sort of the fat acceptance side of things, right? Because that, I think that started more on the female side. And I think it yeah. still is more on the female side. Even this morning, I heard an advert while I was listening to music about that. Yeah. Which is the first time in my life that I've heard an advert about it. But the thing that was interesting was that it was purely tailored towards women. And yeah, it, of course. And it, was, and it was sort of, you know, have you ever covered up, this is what they asked in the advert, have you ever co covered, covered up a body part because you felt uncomfortable with how you looked? And then people were saying, yes, yes, who hasn't? Da -da. Check. <laughs> Check. Yeah, but, but this is the interesting thing, right? Because it makes it seem like it's just women, but that's not the case. No, it's really funny, though, but I, I've never, maybe it exists, but I've never been aware of any, like... Men, you are fine with your body too, kind of movement ever. <laughs> I've seen plenty. No, but that's what I think the that's what I think the dad bod thing became. Ah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Because um, even though it's at a much smaller level, and because let's be fair, I mean, from an attraction point of view, men and women are substantially different. Right? Men yeah. tend to be more attracted to women that look good, and yeah. that's just how it is. Mm -hmm. That's that's not something you can change. That's just this nature, arguably. Yeah, I mean, I um, sorry to interrupt. You can carry on. Remember the, your your train of thought just now. I was actually reading a study about this just now, um, about ten minutes ago, um, showing that. Uh, I mean, this this is common sense, but obviously we we need studies to back it up to to say that it is true. But uh, it, according to this study, what they call high fitness females get a lot more attention than high that sorry than, than than low fitness females by from men from from men oh, in terms right. of attractiveness well in terms of their than the number of times that they get approached per, per day mm. um so this this paper was kind of talking about the cost of attractiveness maybe that you just have to deal with more men <laughs> right which which makes sense yeah um but yeah anyway go on but i mean that ties exactly into what i'm saying yeah yeah exactly right. what i'm saying yeah. um and i think and this is, this is the interesting thing. I've had this discussion with so many women and so many men. It's really interesting because you see, you see this divide where it's very rare that you see a really attractive or what would be classified as really attractive woman. Uh, sorry, I got this the wrong way around. Yeah, it's very rare that you see a really attractive guy 
with what would be classified as a not particularly attractive woman. Mm. But you see it the other way around. Yeah, why it's fairly it's... common that you see, you know, at least in my time in London, I saw it quite a bit, but I've seen it everywhere. It's fairly common to see a really attractive woman with a guy who really that not that attractive. I think what it comes down to, and this is something that I've heard lots of people speak about in a psychological sense, is that it, it comes down to creating a... Tr- the way you create attraction is slightly different for men and women. Men usually know very quickly whether they like someone or whether they don't. Yeah. I think. I mean, there's there's always... Sometimes you can you always build more attraction, but usually you'll immediately know, I find this person attractive or I find them unattractive. Yeah. Whereas it seems like, and obviously, you know, I'm not a woman, so I can't yeah. comment, but this is what I've been told by women. It seems like... Um, you as a woman you don't necessarily you you can be attra- you don't have to be attracted to someone initially but if they push the right buttons build and they build you know and they make you laugh and they create this or this this whole emotional up and down then it creates attraction and i think that's why you get you get men that are really good either really good at talking really really funny really amusing and really good at sort of you know, making you have an amazing time. Yeah. And I don't just mean from friendship point of view. I mean, there has to be a little bit of sexual tension as well. I mean, we can, we can talk about that. <laughs> yeah, of course. Otherwise, otherwise, you just but, fall into the, the, the... What was it called? The... <laughs> friend zone. The, the, the dreaded friend zone. <laughs> which I, I actually... Sorry to interject. Again, um, I think it's a myth. But there we go. Uh, we, no, I, you we, know, I, t- we, I totally agree. We can talk well. about that afterwards. Okay. Well, well, it's a thing, but it's, it's not permanently a thing. It's it's a thing for men that don't create sexual tension. Yeah. Right. It's not a thing. So there's a, in in my world, as far as I'm aware, of it, and what we actually need to do to do this kind of topic justice is we need to get a woman on board that wants to talk about this stuff because there may be girls that they're gritting their teeth, being like, I can't believe that they're saying these things. <laughs> it's all nonsense. But no, but, we'll we'll do that actually. We'll we'll get yeah. We'll find one or two girls to to, to get in and then stars. have the same conversation yeah, again. I think it's a good idea. But so from 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 my perspective just now, um, regarding the the friend zone. As my, in my view, it only exists in two, two scenarios, right? One is, and obviously um, on, on this podcast, we're just going to talk frankly about things. Our opinion, it may come across as a little bit harsh or whatever, but let's live in the real world for a second. Right? Yeah. If you're in the friend zone, you're not attractive to her. It's that simple. And I'm, I'm not saying she doesn't like you as a human being or whatever, but sexually, you're just not attractive to her. You can be a really good looking guy and still be in the friend zone because mm. you don't create what this attraction is. And so that, that's, I think, one of the things that's really interesting between men and women is that women are also drawn to the external, but I feel like it's nowhere near as important. No, like, Especially exactly. if, you, if you're trying to build something that's not just for one night. So girl, girls can obviously go out and meet someone they think is really attractive and pretend that their personality isn't a thing just yeah. for the 24 hours, just like men can. But I feel that if they're going to invest any amount of time in them, they have to have some sort of quality that isn't just attraction, right? There has to be maybe a protector has or to be, a yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. perceived value, whether that's you're funny, you're protective, you, you have money, you have wealth in not necessarily just fine, fine, in, in a financial sense, but there are loads of reasons that girls might find men attractive. I don't care if a woman's a protector. Like, honestly, like I, I don't need her to, to... No, but it's really interesting you yeah. say that because I think it's... Um, you know, I've had tons of people talk about it, but it's it's from a from an evolutionary point of view. It makes sense. Yeah, of course. Yeah. As a woman, to want a man who can provide. Yeah. For the family. 
And that doesn't yeah. just mean financially, but can also protect family. Someone who stands out in the crowd. And I mean, not, and I don't mean stand out as in you have to be the rock. I mean, stand, you know. We would all love to be the rock. <laughs> I mean, stand out as in to her, yeah. you provide all those things and that's created That'll be personal as well. By yeah. confidence a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And, and this ties straight back into what we were saying at the beginning. Fitness. Because confidence, yeah, exactly. Like you said, if you think you're good in bed, you tend to be better in bed. Yeah, I mean... The, and that's yeah. down to your confidence. And if you're confident in yourself and you're confident in your opinions and you're sometimes you're willing to contradict what the other person says mm-hmm. and not always say, yes, you're right, yes, you're right, yes, you're right. Yeah. Then suddenly you're perceived as someone who's confident, who's, who values their opinion, but who can have a discussion with you, who creates an emotional response. Yeah. Because you're not just like a little dog sitting there going, yes, I'll do everything you say. And I'm not saying yeah. you, you go against everything. I'm just saying <laughs> you, you discuss or you, you're, you don't just take everything that the other person says if deep down you don't agree with it. Yeah, I mean, it's just a, it's, it's a classic example of... Um, so I'm going to give two examples about this. One of them is, and first, I think first we have to put a, a disclaimer on this. Some women won't care about the stuff that other women care about. And actually, we aren't really in a place to hypothesize really what women think is really important. But this is based off personal experience and conversations that we've had with women. Right? Yeah. So the first thing to, to, to bear in mind is that, um, you know... In my experience, the idea of perceived value, like how, well, how much value can someone add to your to your life, is probably the most important factor when when you're interacting with women and trying to create real attraction. Mm. Right. So va- value can be, and this will vary on the person, like the whether you are able to have intellectual conversations with them. To some people, it might just be sexual. Like some people are much more sexual beings than others. Maybe they just care about sex. To some people, it'll be financial. To others, it'll be you know someone knocks on your door. It, 2am you want that guy to be able to go down there and see what's up yeah you know there's probably a reason that most women and obviously this isn't for all women but prefer bigger stronger healthier males because again as you said this whole protective thing you know you don't you know, i mean you have to be bigger but i think i, I think know, what it is it's, it's, it's have, have, there has to be that perceived ability to protect yeah. should there need to be protection. And that doesn't mean you need to be tall. That doesn't mean you need to be super muscular. It just means... No, but it helps. You need to be confident. <laughs> <laughs> you just need to be confident in yourself. And this is, again, and this is why being fit and being healthy helps because it gives you that increased confidence. And with the increased confidence come all these extra things, you know, that yeah, maybe you w- weren't able to do before. So if you're someone who's always been you know, unable to do particular things or afraid of certain things, when your confidence goes up, suddenly life becomes much easier. Yeah, I mean, there's a, a reason that, and I've got one more point to make from earlier, but there's there's a reason that um, every man listening to this will have experienced this. When you're single, no one looks at you. And the moment you have a girlfriend, everyone's like, ooh, who's this guy? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and it's not because something suddenly changed, it's because you don't need it anymore. Yeah. Right? You are emulating the confidence of someone that has sex so often that they just don't care. Yeah. Always right. in it always in a situation where Yeah. You know, it, it just it doesn't matter. Yeah, it, it you just care doesn't less. That's exactly what it is. You care less, you you don't need it. There's not this thirsty I mean, what's less attractive? This is based off talk, talking to, to my female friends. 
Nothing less attractive than a gaggle of men walking into a club. J- just men yeah. with their necks craned, like looking around like meerkats for the next victim. Like, Jesus Christ, can you think of anything worse? But um, you know, but but that again, you know, that lowers your perceived value. Is what I would argue. You know, why do you need it so badly? Is it because you don't get any women normally? Hmm. You know, and so there's this really interesting phenomenon that I've noticed is that you you can be, I I can't speak for pre my era maybe this didn't used to be this way but you can be so beta these days it's alpha right you can be so comfortable around women and just generate comfort that this is the new alpha like you don't have to be this massive hunk no but that's the thing but that's that's exactly what i meant as in you can as long as you create emotion Mm. that doesn't mean you need to Mm. look a certain you need to be the most attractive guy in the world it just means you need to be able to be confident in yourself yeah and the thing that makes someone confident or attractive is confidence. confidence that's, what, that's what sure. I just said. Yeah. And um, that's why, you know, you might have people that are totally unfit and would be perceived by other people as I don't understand how he's so successful or why women find that. him so attractive. Yeah. But really, he's just willing to be himself. He's willing to take, you know, risks that people will potentially dislike him for saying things or making certain jokes doesn't really overthink things and that ends up creating this powerful oh this person is confident this person believes in what they say they're willing to contradict me that's mm. if they you know if if that's what should happen in the conversation they're willing to be themselves um and that's what's important i think that's exactly what it is i've got a, a great story for you listeners out there. But um, so I used to know a guy and shout, shout out to him, Jim. I'm not going to give away your your surname just in case you want to remain anonymous. But I, I, I used to know a really nice bloke from Liverpool called Jim, right? And obviously people from Liverpool have the gift of the gab and everything else. And he'll be happy to admit that he's not in the best shape ever, right? He's quite handsome, actually, but he's not in the best shape, right? And it's something that becomes immediately obvious. He's got a bit of a belly... And I'm going to leave it there, Jim, just in case you feel this is offensive to you. But the long story is, I've never seen anyone who's so comfortable and good with women in my entire life, ever. And we used to, when I used to work in the Middle East, go to um, clubs and stuff like that and point out a girl and be like, convince her of X, right? And it was a game that we played and one was like, um, convince her that sex before marriage is wrong and blah, blah, blah. And... It's not a sexual conversation, obviously, but the point is he was so confident in his ability to talk and just have fun with people that he could just go over and convince anyone. You know, this is one of the most impressive things I've ever seen in my life. But equally, along with that, he was very, very successful with women just because he was confident. He was so confident and so happy and actually just playing the whole time. Nothing was serious. Do you think he would be more successful or do you think he'd be... I mean, we, from a health perspective, we don't even need to go down that route because it's, it's very obvious. obvious. Yeah. Do you think if someone like that were fitter, they would be more successful. better? So I'm glad he's not fit because I don't think there'd be any women left in this world <laughs> for, for the mortals among us. Of course, yeah. It's a really, really dangerous combination when someone's very attractive and like that. It's so dangerous because how can you compete? So one of the things that the people that aren't necessarily super attractive might use to be more successful, let's say, with the opposite gender is this confidence, this vibe. They just ooze sex and everything else, right? Fine. But if they also had the attractiveness, Jesus. 
like we've all met, I've met maybe one or two people, um, both of which were girls actually, who had this thing, like this confidence and this whole oozing sexuality. And everyone's just their puppet. Like, it's terrible to watch. Like you're just like, Jesus Christ, how are they? You know, it's so unfair almost to the rest of the population that lives their sort of life in mortal terms. But back to what we've, we've got on a huge tangent here. What we were saying initially is that I imagine that people that are extremely confident, and this is also back, backed up by, by this study, are just better in bed. And so if we're, if we're talking about... So do you think, actually, before I go into this, there's a difference between sex life as in when you're single and also when you're in a relationship? Because that fitness might affect those totally differently as well. Is there a difference? In what sense? Well, one is okay. So one is you are looking at if you're single and if you are a classic male harlot <laughs> that's looking to pick up women, right? So it's really to your advantage to be in good good shape there because you just have a higher success rate, right? Yeah, most not, likely. Not that anyone's counting, but if you do place val- value on that, then that would yeah, be something yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah. But then how does your fitness affect your actual relationship in terms of sex life? Oh, I think probably quite substantially. I think from multiple perspectives. I mean, again, let's say, and you've been there, so you can actually comment on this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But, you know... Let's talk about this live (laughs) on air. (laughs) (laughs) But no, let's say you're you're in a relationship and you don't feel great the way you look. Yeah. It will inevitably impact your sex life. Inevitably. Yeah, sure. And it will impact other things. But since that's what we're talking about here... Um, you know, the thing is, everyone's massively different and some people like to experiment, you know, some people like to try certain things, but you can't, like you said, with the light example, for example, Mm. using the word example twice (laughs) within like three words, um, but the light example, if, if the light is on, you might not be as connected to the person in that certain situation because yeah. you might be in your head the entire time yeah. and, and sort of thinking, oh, you know, what does my belly look like in this position? Mm. What is, you know, or, you know, or your legs are burning or you're, you know, you're getting tired and you suddenly, you don't feel great and the other person can sense it. And then, the, and then the question is then, does the other person think, oh, Maybe he doesn't like me that much anymore. What's the problem? Is he thinking about someone else? What's going... Potentially, I mean, we can yes. go down any rabbit hole. But but it creates a break in that emotional connection. Yeah, definitely. I mean, so we, we, we have to ask the question. I mean, so that, that one's maybe about, you know, is it attractive? For, for the same reason that I'm sure everyone here will agree, condoms suck. Not because they suck, because they make you feel less. Although that's also a point. But the thing that's awful about them is that you're in this flow and you have to stop and you have to go rustling around in your bag and the, the thing obviously doesn't open super quickly and it just it takes you out of the mood so if you are confident in, in your physique you might have the ability to be more spontaneous just anywhere any anytime you really live this life but also we have to ask ourselves the question on a different point is what makes really good sex really good and in my experience is this this being able to enter this world with someone right where you are just experiencing them without being in your own head you know, this this whole, you know, the, the, the Spice Girls song, when two become one. <laughs> it's relevant yeah. because that's exactly what it sort of feels like. Really good sex actually feels that way. You know, and you can't experience someone to that degree if they're worried about what their belly looks like or 
does my bum have dimples in this in this lighting or whatever? Do you know what mm. I mean? Um, so that would be the main thing for me. Is that, and obviously I can kind of talk about this from my own personal experience. So for those of you that don't know, is that I used to be um, 120 kilos, which puts me just in the obese range, so 31 point something BMI. Um, and now I'm at a happier, healthier 86 or something. But I am a bit chubby at the moment. I'm bulking. But anyway, you're not chubby. Well, I'm for me, right? For me, so I right. I like being really lean. At the moment, I'm I'm, I'm going bear mode because of the winter and I'm putting on mass. But anyway. Um, either way, I think most people could agree that I'm in quite good shape now, yeah. right? And that and, and that's fine. And Better I think, than average. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think well, substantially <laughs> for, for sure. He says yeah. he says really confidently. <laughs> uh, no, I'm I'm confident in saying that I'm probably in good shape, mm. right? Um, and the difference in terms of how I experience the world, and we, we can talk about things different to sex another time, but it's purely from a sexual perspective, is enormous. I remember being in a relationship. Not going to say her name because she probably wouldn't want me to. Um, but, and I remember having sex with her and I remember just being like, you know, feeling like a, a seal on top of her and having my belly kind of flop against her stomach and being so like, you know, what's worse than being grossed out by yourself Mm. in that kind of, there is nothing worse. Like, because how are you supposed to be in the moment and experience someone and share this wonderful thing with them? If you're kind of like, Oh God, I feel so sorry for her. This is awful. Um, so I can completely sympathize with anyone that feels like that. And now that doesn't happen. Obviously, you know, I'm not going <laughs> to pretend that I'm now the biggest Casanova of all time or whatever, but that aspect doesn't really exist anymore. This really massive um, lack of confidence in an environment where I'm not dressed, right? Yeah. I actually like being not, not dressed now. I think it, w- it, would, it would do the world good if more people went around naked just so everyone could see what a normal body looks like. I think that'd be really useful. And this is the thing. I think, you know, obviously everyone has imperfections in mm. some way, shape, or form. Um, when you're in shape, they mean less. Yeah. Substantially less. less. Yeah. But that's and they're almost, they almost become, and this is a weird thing to say, but I think they almost become positive because you're so happy with yourself that all these things don't matter anymore. Yeah. And they're so insignificant in your life mm. that... And if we you know if we go back to the attraction perspective, as a woman, you you don't even really notice them. And when you do, and I've had people say this to me about their boyfriends and things like that, mm. they think it's great or they think it's cute. It's cute. That's, that that's there exactly is, what I was That there saying. is that particular thing that's not perfect. Yeah. Because it's it's them. Right. But it's purely because they they're attracted to them. But for that to happen you have to be confident in yourself and you have to be happy in yourself or at least for it to happen to a greater degree, you have to be happy with yourself. And I am, as you already know, I'm not for this whole accepting or trying to accept that you're overweight thing and it's cool Mm -hmm. because it's not. We know from a health perspective, you know, people are trying to push it. Yes, I think you shouldn't be, to obviously to lose weight, you should accept who you currently are. Right, yeah. And then you should work your way towards something that's healthy. It doesn't mean you need to look like a model, but health is important. Health, health is So you, really can't, you can't be 130 kilos and think, oh, I'm really happy with myself. Unless you're 12 foot tall. <laughs> yeah. That works. <laughs> but because it's not healthy. Yeah. And we know 
that you're more likely to have diabetes, you're more likely to have all sorts of issues. No, but you, so, so to go back into it, now that the, uh, the postman has arrived. He's come and gone. <laughs> He's come and gone. To go back into it, we know that it creates, that it makes you more likely to have all sorts of diseases. So I think it's really, really dangerous to go, to go down the route and say it's acceptable for you to be like that and to gain more weight. Yes, you should be happy with yourself, but you should also strive to be healthy because, and I mean, we, we can go off, you know, into another tangent, but this is the first generation where parents will outlive their children. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's which is terrifying. Which is a really scary thought. Terrifying, yeah. So, I mean, so and, and that, is, that is down purely, or not purely, but it's a large factor, obesity, which was a minor, minor thing. Even if you just go back 40 years, obesity wasn't a big thing. Now it's huge, right? I mean, so, 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 this, so it ties into the entire thing. So yes, and we always discuss this with people that we work with, you should accept who you are because it's important that you accept who you currently are for you to make change. So you accept what's happened that got you to this stage. But it's no coincidence that every single person I've worked with has wanted to lose weight. And a lot of the time, they've wanted to lose weight because of a health issue. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, you've, I think you've hit the nail on, on the head. I think the way that I feel about it is a little bit different. So, but, so we're actually both thinking the same thing. So I think it's, it's a really difficult conversation to have because inherently everyone should be able to make their own choices. And for if, sure. And if you want to be, you know, for for example, and I'm not, um, you know, romanticizing drug use or anything like that, but if you want to take heroin, right, and you know the risks, and you realize that your your lifespan is drastically reduced and everything that comes with it, then technically, why shouldn't you? Like, if you are really that cognizant of everything that's going on, by the same token, even though it's probably not as bad as taking heroin, you know, you should have the right to overeat. The issue that I have is that we romanticize the idea. And I like to call it the, the cat meme generation, like this movement online where they're, they're like, you know, we've, we, we've all seen them. There's a, a slice of pizza in the, in the shop and next to it's this big fat cat. And then it says like in stars, heavy breathing or whatever. And it's funny because yeah. it is. <laughs> yeah. But what, what actually happens is that you, you have a society in which it becomes increasingly funny and it's, it's a joke point to be overweight, to be unfit. How many people do you, do you hear going, no, I don't run, I'm a pizza girl, or I'm a pizza boy, or whatever. Yeah. You know, and you're like, yes, that's funny, and self-deprecation, especially in, in British humour, is a big part of it. But at the end of the day, all you're doing is just creating this constant flow of, it's okay to be unhealthy. Mm. You know, it's fine to be, to be whatever. What's, what's the average age for a heart attack now? 30? Yeah. 30. That's in two years' time for me. Mm. Right, that's the average age people have a heart attack. How many people survive that? Like, I don't know the stats. On no, that probably thing. quite a lot. Because, well, initially, well, I, don't, I don't know the stats, so I can't really comment. I mean, it's hard. But I would imagine that a decent amount survive. Yeah. And they usually, usually deaths happen at a, at a later, at the, during the second or third. Right. But once you've had, had one, your risk of ha- having another one is much higher. I believe so. Right? Yeah. And, like, it, it, the thing that annoys me as well about this is that you get people... And this, I think this pisses me off an enormous amount. I'm going to try to keep cool here on this podcast. But, you know, people say, oh, it's just genetics. 
Oh, it's just genetics. Yes, because we're all genetically predispositioned to all having cancer. Or we're, we're all genetically predispositioned so that 67% of us in the UK are obese or overweight. Hmm. Right? It used to be called adult onset diabetes, type 2 diabetes. Now, now we have five-year-olds getting it. Like, it's not your genetics. This is yeah. lifestyle. Yeah. Like, it's very clearly lifestyle. Um, and I, it makes me really angry because why are we romanticizing the idea of bad lifestyle, be it via being obese, be it via overly drinking, which is cool in the UK, right, and in various other places, be it via romanticizing drug use, being via anything that's that's romantic, like in Greece, it's it's smoking. It doesn't mean you shouldn't do them. It's it doesn't just mean the... you shouldn't do them every now and then. For, I'm smoking. I think you could probably argue you yeah, shouldn't yeah. do it. But the point is, don't romanticize it because all of these factors drastically shorten your lifespan. And remember that people like having you around. But yeah. don't be so selfish to think that when you're, if you're one of these live fast, die young kind of people that wants to die at 30, but having to ha- having lived a great life, you know, you're still going to make all of your friends. Or, or develop Alzheimer's. Or develop Alzheimer's. You know, you think that, yeah, so there's this ro- romantic idea that, you know, okay, I'm, I want to smoke 15 cigarettes a day, or whatever it is for the next 40 years, and then I'll pass away in my sleep. No, you're not. You're going to have a horrible time for ages because you've got throat cancer or lung cancer or whatever. Like or you can't walk up the stairs. It, it, it isn't like you're, you're, you've got your total lifespan and someone detracts your numbers and you just die peacefully that much earlier. Mm. No. Before this number's even detracted, you have an awful time with your, you know, if you're overweight, your risk of, um, you know, arthritis, blah, 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 all these things increase... You're not going to be a happy, functional human being and then suddenly snuff it. Well, I mean, this right. is the, this is the thing, and I mean, we've we've witnessed this, but we're not into, yeah. into too much detail. But we've witnessed this in our family with certain yeah. people, absolutely, in terms of alcohol. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't pretty. No. It's not like it was a sudden, uh, you know, one day to the next death. No, I mean, absolutely. It's sort of uh, it's a decline over years, where the person goes from someone who used to be lovely to someone who's unrecognizable mm. so we we can give people a bit of backstory things our, our grandmother um drank chronically for what is it, like 40 years something like a long time and it's not to, to those of you again that are this live fast die young kind of belief um you know so yeah she was fine probably for about 20 years and then slowly but surely she can't get out of the sofa anymore she's wetting herself in front of her grandchildren you know Chronic, like, terrible arthritis, can't move, becomes very bitter, blah, blah, blah. I imagine she wasn't having a great time yeah. for, for, the, for the, certainly the last 10, 15 years, right? Yeah. And so there's, 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 there's no point in romanticizing it. There's also no need to be totally obsessed about health. No, no, Just no. Just do no, the no. basics. Yeah. Right? So what are the, the basics? Well, in terms of, ba- are we talking basics for basics just for losing weight for health? Um, they normally come hand in hand, to, to, be, to be fair. But what are the, the absolute basics? So name three things that people can just do right right now just to make their health status better. The biggest one mm-hmm. that I've seen working in London with people is sleep. Hands down. Why? Um, and we'll go into more detail in a different podcast because it's, a brief... it's, it's a whole thing in and of itself. Yeah. Um, so many reasons. So many reasons. Hormonal control, blood sugar control, um... Be, just being able to control your mood is linked to your sleep. Yeah, for sure. You're much more likely to snap and become unreasonable than if you get six hours or less mm. sleep. Um, you can't... Your your emotions are just out of control. Yeah. You 
your body behaves like it's pre-diabetic if you just for a few days you sleep six hours or less yeah that's insane and to put that into perspective that means you'll have crashes you'll have ups and downs in blood sugar and you're potentially more likely to, to develop diabetes yeah um scary stuff if you it's harder to build muscle you put on more weight in fact there was a there was a study where they took two groups of people and and there's lot there's lots of different things i mean for anyone interested interested in this thing and um just in the sleep aspect there's a book that came out last year i believe called why we sleep by someone called matthew walker who researches sleep and it's super interesting but essentially they took two groups and they were both on the same calorie deficit right meaning, so meaning they eat less than what they need yeah they were eating less so they were eating they were they were both on the exact same amount and the exercise was controlled as well i believe and they were i believe they were given their meals as well which means they weren't filling out a questionnaire right so everyone's doing the same thing so everyone's doing the same thing to lose weight mm-hmm. or lose body fat the finding was that the people that slept 6 hours or less a huge percentage of the total weight lost was muscle tissue mm-hmm. whereas in the group that slept between 6 and 8 hours closer to eight, I think seven to eight hours it was, um, lost virtually no muscle mass and almost exclusively body fat. And what that means is it makes it much easier to keep losing body fat afterwards because muscle tissue inherently requires energy. Yeah. The other thing that happens is that once you've lost the body fat, you look better because there's actually stuff there to give you shape. Yeah, that, that great toning yeah. situation. And, and... Um, it's really important just from a health perspective. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just, it's, it's one of those things that's somehow cool to look at and go, oh, I only sleep four hours and say you don't need more when it's just not true. You might think you don't need more, but if you actually tested it for a while or measured how well you function, you'd be very surprised. And, um, the other thing was also food control. So if you're actually trying to lose weight and you don't care about the whole, you should, but if you don't care about the muscle mass fat aspect, um, if you're trying to lose weight, again, they took two groups. One slept, I believe it was six hours. The other one's something like seven to eight. Mm-hmm. And the one that slept six or less, um, they had a buffet. Ate a huge amount more. They ended up eating on average 400 calories more, I believe, a day. Even though they had exposure to the same foods, they could pick whatever foods they wanted. That adds up very quickly. It adds up so quickly. And that is how you gain weight. Really, really, really fast. So not only did they eat more, but their bodies are also worth at, worse at dealing with excess calories in the first place. So just the, the fat, the actual tangible fat gain difference is astronomical. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why. It's always, I always tell people this. And it's always, when we work with people, it's always something that we focus on is make sure you get enough sleep yeah. and we set goals and you have to get the sleep. If you don't get this, in fact, I mean, I've worked with people who, as soon as they decide, as soon as they started sleeping more, everything became so much easier. Yeah. The food control, they were training harder. This is the other thing you get, you get much more tired, much more quickly. So you can't train as hard. Yeah. Um, but everything just became easy. Progress in the gym went, went up. Yeah. Um, weight loss, skyrocketed so that's always number one um number two is obviously food yeah 
just from a from a from a health and uh, reaching goals perspective. And food, you know, there's there's so many different methods. Yeah, we're and I think have to dive into that in detail in some other one because we don't really have, have time to to go in deep into all methods. Yeah, right I mean, there is technically no right or wrong. I'm not personally a huge fan of calorie counting. Yeah, no, me too. Um, which is why we don't use it with people. Um, because from personal experience and testing this with people, um, because what happens is once they stop, people are lost. So they're used yeah. to tracking all their calories in an app and then they go and then they reach their goal and then they're suddenly really lost because they've been focused on the numbers all the time. Mm-hmm. Not really necessarily. They now know how many calories are in different foods, which is useful. Yeah. Um, but every single one of them is sort of lost afterwards and has to keep counting in a way. Yeah. Because it keeps them on track. Whereas if you help people lose weight without counting calories, usually they can just maintain the result. Well, yeah, because one is, so one is you, you've learned a strategy to deal with it. Mm. So, which normally re- revolves around food choice. Um, you know, let's say we, we use in, intermittent fasting with, with our clients, for example, this is different this version of it. Yeah, with, yeah. with, with calories per se, it does mm. in the, in the great scheme of things. But what it actually just is, is, is a management strategy. Right? Yeah. Ma- and yeah. so pe- people know, you know, why would you no longer know suddenly how to use the man- management strategies? Cause sorry, let me say that again. <laughs> why would you suddenly no longer know how to use a strategy just because you finished your fat loss phase? Yeah. Right? You, you still know how to do it. But the problem is, and I've experienced this, if you take away a calorie counting app, which we should, probably shouldn't mention the name for legal reasons, but um, I, had a, I had an experience where um, you know, I used to rely on it massively. And not only was I stressed about food all the time, as soon as I tried to not count calories, I just gained loads of weight, even though I'm, I'm still not sure that I was eating more, but I clearly was. Yeah. And just I just wasn't really actually in tune with, am I actually hungry? And this is I was the eating thing. for numbers, yeah. not because how I feel. And this is the thing, and this is what this is why I think it's important that we actually discuss this another time in more detail. Yeah. Um, the ability to perceive how your body actually feels is really important. Yeah. So I've counted calories in the past because I wanted to see what it was like. And if you obviously if you're going to use it with clients, you have to understand what it feels like. You have to understand the limitations the pros and cons of using that particular tool. And don't get me wrong, it works wonderfully for certain people. Hmm. Um, and some people want to do it because they're, 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 it's the kind of person who's obsessed with numbers and they want to know every little thing, and that's fine. But for the majority of the population, in my opinion, knowing how you feel, knowing how to lay out your, sort of the, your plate, why, you know, the different foods... Focusing on things that are micronutrient dense in terms of vitamins and minerals and getting everything that's crucial for you to be healthy. There are tons of different strategies, but that's one of them. And that's, I think that's non-negotiable. Being healthy or getting things in that's healthy, that doesn't mean you can't occasionally have a pizza, you can't have of course, you yeah. know, your, your beer occasionally or your wine. It doesn't mean you can't enjoy life. But being able to fully understand how your body feels in a certain situation will allow you to cruise through life afterwards. Yeah, I have easy. yet to work with a single person who loses weight, 
who doesn't count calories, who regains the weight they have before. So that's really interesting. So I've got a, a nice little statistic for our, for our listeners here just before we, we wrap this up. Of people that lose weight, I believe, and I'm going to have to check this up, but I believe only 2% of those people manage to keep it off for good. 2%. Yeah. Two in a hundred people that go from being overweight to normal don't go back to being overweight. That is insanely little. Yeah. And so what, what we also need to remember is that we try and emulate the fitness industry, the, the general fitness industry, which is if it fits your macros, count your calories, you know, it, it's only about calories in, calories out, it's not about anything else. We need to remember that that industry is A, riddled with e- eating disorders and mental health issues massively. Mm. It's the industry that we want to emulate, but it's a sick industry for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, and two, you know, is that lifestyle sustainable? Are you going to do yourself that damage in the long term? Do you even know how to eat or do you just know how to use calorie tracking apps? Yeah. So that's really dangerous. Um, but yeah, in summary, Lex, sex, life and food, because we've got on a huge time. Sorry, <laughs> sex, life and fitness. Go. Sex, life and fitness. Um, yeah. I mean, getting, being fit, getting into shape, using the two tools that we've discussed in terms of sleep and nutrition yeah. to get you fit will one, make you more attractive to the opposite sex, whether you're a man or a woman, Yeah. Um, will make you more confident in yourself, which again will make you more attractive. Mm-hmm. And it'll make your whole experience in a relationship or way to marriage better because you can connect deeper with a person and you can have more fun and you can do all these things that before you might have found difficult, like going to the beach and taking your top off. Awesome. And then summarize very, very quickly how to lay out a plate and sleep stuff. So just in terms of hours and plate, go. Hours in what sense? So how how many hours a night should we sleep? Oh, I mean, that depends on the person, but I would always aim to wake up refreshed. So initially I would aim for eight hours. Okay. So and if you start waking up before then, that's fine. We can go into more detail another Perfect. time. Okay, but... so aim aim for eight and then f- food-wise, how, how would you lay out a plate? Just quickly. Ooh, I think that's too complicated to go through in this one. But be- right. because, because <laughs> it varies, it depends on the person's goal. Everything okay. is always dependent... But I would just aim for a whole bunch of veg, mm-hmm. some protein, yeah. some carbs or some fat, depending on what you feel good on. But veg is a really important The vegetables component. is super important. Children, eat your vegetables. That's it. There you go. 